Welcome to Fast Facts. I'm Jody. I'm Shelly. We're a new media concept, a co-working space in the design district called The Slate. The most amazing people have walked through these doors. Authors. Entrepreneurs. Community leaders. Dallas natives. And guests from near and far. We're going to bring them in this room and we're going to sit them down and we're going to ask them the questions you are asking too. These will be quick so you can listen on your drive in or your drive home. We are completely off the cuff, but that is the best part about Fast Facts. And the only person you can really be off the cuff with might just be your sister. Truth. Let's see who's slating it. Okay, pinch ourselves. Yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. First female who's running the Dallas Symphony ever in the Dallas Symphony's history is here with us today, Kim Nultme. Super exciting. I love that we're going to hear about how she too is yeah. learning to play an <laughs> instrument. The master is the student. Love She's it. also changing the way young people interact with music from South Dallas. So here we go. I feel like we need to have symphonic music, a little Beethoven playing. Jody, can you attempt like, okay. quickly? <laughs> uh, we're so excited uh, to have Kim Nultemi, the CEO of the Dallas Symphony and the first female um, to hold this role. Thank you for coming to Slate It today. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes. Is this your first podcasting experience? I actually produced a very long multi-year series of podcasts when I was in Boston. So I've done them. I've sat and told people what to do and all that. Oh, whole then thing. Said, so, oh, <laughs> maybe you should let her just take, take charge, Jones. What was the topic? Was it on, on behalf music? Of, yeah. Yeah. So there were, um, for every program, we did a podcast. And so people would listen to them in their car on the way to the That's concert. so smart. Mm-hmm. Were, yeah. were you interviewing the musicians, the conductors, and any of the players and all of them? Uh, it varied uh, section to section because, one, you know, if we had the artist available, we would definitely want to interview them. But sometimes they wouldn't be available mm-hmm. and then we do a musician or a musicologist someone who's a specialist on Beethoven or Mahler or whatever mm-hmm. and just talk also in general about the program so people yeah. knew and were prepared to, right it. they didn't have to read the program notes <laughs> they yeah. could just watch mm-hmm. okay so you came from Boston yes from the pops people know all about that Boston Symphony, Boston Pops, mm-hmm. and Tanglewood, yeah. And so being in Dallas, what do you look back at? Because you haven't been here long, but you've been here long enough that you've already made a lot of amazing changes. What to date are you like, okay, that was a huge step and good for us. We're headed in the right direction. Well, there's two things that I'm most um, proud and happy about. Uh, one is that we negotiated with the city to take over the management of the Meyerson Symphony Center And that is uh, really important for many reasons, which I can talk about in a few minutes. And the second is I wanted to create an active music-making program in Dallas, and we decided to do it in southern Dallas, and we've already had more than 400 children um, who live, who go to public school in southern Dallas, uh, get free instruments, and um, get eight hours of music a week in their after-school programs. Wow. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's inc- exciting. So what does that look like? So you're collecting volunteers and teachers from around North Texas who, how, I mean, 400 is a lot. Yeah, no, we raised the money. We hired okay. teaching artists. We hired an artistic director who um, came from the El Sistema program, which you may have mm-hmm. heard of. Um, it's was It started in Venezuela, and it's actually... Um, active all around 
the world and the country. Sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, it is uh, basically a social justice program mm -hmm. in addition to um, teaching kids how to play instruments extremely well. And our children that are in this program are already playing excerpts from the New World Symphony, uh, Dvorak's piece, and Symphony. from... Um, Beethoven's Ode to Joy, and Vivaldi's The Four Seasons. Oh. So they're not playing Mary Had a Little Lamb or The Ooh. Saints Go Marching In. They're, they're really... <laughs> and are they individual lessons, or are they also playing in, in groups, meaning they are able to play a huge piece that's like has a conductor there? Uh, yes. So uh, the teaching artists who are part of this can conduct the group, and every day for a half hour they have the full ensemble together. That is remarkable. Yeah, that is remarkable. It is. It's pretty cool. And before that, they have one-on-one -on -one or small group lessons. And, you know, if they're really brand new, they're kind of getting more one-on-one. -on -one. If they've been doing it for a little while, it could be three kids together with a teacher going over the music. And so how do you feel like, I feel like a lot of people, I mean, my kids are in a classical school and so like Beethoven is literally pumping through the hallways and we believe in that. But to those people who are like, why is the symphony relevant to me now? How do you respond to them to say, this is a part of our arts culture and music is a language? Well, I, I think we try to take the view that there's something that we're doing that you would like. It may not be you may not want to hear Beethoven, but maybe you want to hear us playing Broadway scores. You know, movie music is pretty popular with almost mm -hmm. everyone because we've done the movie concerts with Star Wars and Harry Potter. And we know uh, we're many doing, attendees. Yeah, we're movies. doing Coco in the Spring. So, oh, cute. yeah. So that's a way to bring people in who didn't think they actually cared about ever hearing an orchestra, mm -hmm. but when they see the orchestra playing the music that they know from the movie, it's a totally different experience. You know, we've done stuff with jazz artists, with pop artists. So, you know, we do offer a lot of different types of music, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. our goal is to bring the orchestra into the community as much as possible. So we have a park series, we have a DSO on the go, where we take the orchestra to venues mm -hmm. in the suburbs or in um, not in other parts of Dallas that isn't sort of the, the arts district or where sure, you'd expect sure. to see an orchestra. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so it's fun stuff. Oh, yeah, and the kids look forward to it. They had it. You guys came to our kids' school, and they're like, oh, my gosh, the symphony's coming again. And then Hutchinson was like, well, we get to, like, go to the symphony because yeah. we're in third grade. <laughs> and they loved that time machine that circled and, you know, Beethoven popped out, and they just, oh, my gosh, oh, Beethoven. I'm like, kids amazing. are so cute. Yeah. So what would be the biggest get for you in this next year? Like, if you look at the next 12 months ahead of you, like, oh, my gosh, I want to – well, we really want to expand the program I told you about to add more kids mm -hmm. because we know that music is help, is great for them socially. It's great for their brain development. It helps with math and science skills. You know, it gives them a community of people who care about mm -hmm. them and know what they're doing. And so in that sense, the more children we can bring into that program, the better. Uh, beyond that, there's so many things to still do. We need to fill every seat of the hall every single day. There you go. I mean, that's that sounds very cliche, but... No, we get that. You know, an empty seat's the enemy as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. So yeah. we need to figure out if, if we have empty seats, who are we giving them to? Mm -hmm. If people aren't going to buy it, who are we giving it to? And that's really important. I don't know if you know about the city's new program, the Culture Pass, which... 
uh, you get with your library card, and it gives you access to, free to all these different arts activities, including we have uh, not every single concert, but a huge number of our concerts are part of that. And we've been having people come, 30, 50 people a night, and it's been fantastic because, again, it's people who probably would never have uh-huh. considered buying a ticket. Mm-hmm. Even if they if they had money to buy a ticket, yeah. they wouldn't have done it because it was too much of a risk for them. So yeah. this is a great way that the city has facilitated introducing the arts to the broader community. I did, awesome. not, I I did not know that. that. I Culture had no idea. Pass. Mm-hmm. So my, my Dallas Public Library card will get, gain me access to all pla- – I can find this online? Yes, yeah. If you look on the um, Office of Arts and Culture yeah. site. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so people always like to know the person behind yes. everything. So strip back the role of CEO and symphony goddess. So <laughs> what is it that, like, interested you from the beginning in music? Why does this make you tick? Like, tell us about Kim. Well, it's interesting because I came from another field. I did not come from the music business. And a lot of people in my role were, you know, a former musician, like a serious musician. I played the flute. I would not call myself a former musician. (laughs) But uh, people who wanted to be in an orchestra and then they realized that Mm -hmm. that might not happen for a variety of reasons or people who used to be in an orchestra that are now decided to go into the management side, uh, artistic directors, some fundraisers. Uh, and so I'm kind of the the lone man on the totem pole who's sort of came one from the marketing side of things and two um, from, you know, just general life, not, you know. (laughs) Which has served you well. Yeah, an appreciator as opposed to someone who... Well, and you said the broader community earlier, which that's how you're going to reach more than the people that are already interested in the first place. Right, I always think... musicians themselves. Exactly. I always think of everything from the perspective of, what if someone knows absolutely nothing about this? What would make them want to get involved, to take the chance, to commit the time? It's two hours of time, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're asking for nothing. Even if it's free, it's two hours of time. And time is the thing that we're all really struggling with these days. So that I, I came from um, marketing, international marketing specifically. I got to know the folks at the Boston Symphony mm-hmm. um, because they were doing tours to countries where I had the clients. And so I was involved in getting some underwriting for their touring. Mm. And my organization was also doing a little underwriting. And I got to do events with the musicians, the conductors. So that's how I got connected to all this. And you know, this is 20 years ago, plus when the Boston Symphony went to Europe or Japan, mm-hmm. it was like Super Bowl tickets. It, you yes, could totally. not get tickets. Yes. yes. It's Boston. And so I mean, we were, you know, this was a thing you had to sponsor in order to be able to have any role in this. And all our clients wanted to go because it was Boston Symphony. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's how it all started. I had, Then I had two kids and... I realized that I did not want to be traveling constantly, and so a position opened, a director marketing position at the Boston Symphony, so I ended up applying, and because they knew me, 
I got hired. Had yeah. they not known me, there's no way they, they would have been like, who's this marketing chick? Yeah, they would never have looked at my resume. Yeah, you huh. bridged so, it. Mm -hmm. you, you bridged it in an unpredictable yeah. way. Yeah. I was an East Asian studies major. I, spoke, I mean, that's yeah, so I spoke random. Japanese, worked for a Japanese company initially when I got out of college. So, you know what? No, you're Sorry, fine. No, that's just a sign of. Oh, you're totally <laughs> no. fine. I'm one of those hand talkers. <laughs> I so are most women. Don't worry. <laughs> so are we. So you speak Japanese? I do not wow. not that well now, but um, but in the in the heyday of it, you yeah, were really was, communicating. That's fluent. amazing. Yeah, and I I mean certainly I can get back in the swing pretty quickly even now if I if I really put my mind to it. That's did One you live in Japan? Yeah, you I did. Mm -hmm. uh, not for that long, but mm -hmm. yes, I lived there for almost a year, and I was waiting for a visa to stay longer, mm -hmm. and I didn't get it because the Japanese government is super strict with immigration, even still, but particularly back then. Yeah. Yeah. That was the heyday of the Japanese economy. Okay, so you're a total Texan now. What are three of your favorite, <laughs> like, hangout spots? Like, where do you go eat here? What yeah. are, like, three favorite places that I would find you on a Saturday? Okay. Or maybe well, later tonight after five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I spend a lot of time on the Katy Trail, mm -hmm. which is uh, really fun in many ways. It's sort of a different crowd depending on the time of day you go. Uh, so that is fun. And I haven't, you'd think you, you might get tired of it if you keep doing it over and over, but I just yeah. keep the people watching is yeah. too good. The people yeah, watching is awesome. Stream of people. Uh, so that's fun. I love Sachet Restaurant. That's probably my I favorite love restaurant. Sachet, those olives. Yeah. Where is that? Oh, it's um, Oaklawn. Oaklawn. It's yeah. like by Layette, really. Like okay, Carbone. okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really great restaurant. In fact, when my daughter visits, um, you know, every few months, that's we go almost from the airport there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a whole family thing now. Um, I live in downtown, which is fun. I like being in the heart of the city yeah. and just being part of the transformation of Dallas from sort of everyone living in the mm -hmm. suburbs to the, you know, the arts district is mm -hmm. benefiting from that too. And I think, you know, it's only going to get more that way, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's just going to, is a matter of time. And I, I think it's exciting to be part of that. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how I would have felt about the Dallas 10 years ago that didn't have that, but it doesn't matter because I'm here while yeah. this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's new and interesting, exciting. Where are your children now? Your daughter lives where? Uh, my daughter lives in New York and she is applying to grad school for architecture and hopefully, well, she already got in one school, but hopefully um, she'll decide where she wants to go uh, as soon as she hears from the rest of the schools. So we'll see where she lives after that. There you go. That's exciting. It doesn't <laughs> it matter. You'll go visit. Yeah. yeah. Um, who is your biggest like cheerleader? Because this the arts community here is like off the chain, right? Like there are certain people who you can kind of count on to back you up. But who do you feel like is the cheerleader? Maybe you didn't expect. That's really makes you like excited and giddy. Wow, that's a hard question. You know, and the reason it's hard is because everyone is so supportive and enthusiastic here. And I'm not just saying that, yeah, to, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. to be nice or anything. I mean, literally, I've never felt such support in my entire career as I have here in Dallas as the new person coming in mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know making some changes. And I know change is hard for people, so. Our, our board has been incredibly supportive, which you'd expect, but still to the, you know, mm -hmm. the extent is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, the 
the city government has been so supportive. I mean, Jennifer Scripps is... Yes, well, I was just with Jennifer Yeah, Scripps Jennifer's night, amazing, yeah. and the city's very fortunate to have someone who has got that level of talent and yes. excitement and, you know, just brings it to work every single yeah. day. And dedication. Dedication, yes. yes. Uh, you know, it's wonderful to have good colleagues in yeah. the arts district. It's not a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Oh, Everyone's kind of in it together and supporting each other. And even if we don't agree on every single point, we all know that we need to support each other. Mm-hmm. And that really doesn't exist in very many places. So I have to say... That was, you know, kind of a, a mind-blowing thing for me. Um, Do you have a guess for why that is? Just Texans are friendlier? Or is there something I mean, about is there our like community a group? that's Is unique? there like a monthly art group that comes together, and so it's the head of the DMA, and, the head of, and this is what ha- y'all really communicate? Well, there's an arts district, and we have right. meetings on a regular basis. And then there's some corporate supporters of the arts, um, like PNC Bank and Texas Instruments that mm-hmm. – um, connect us with a broader group of arts organizations if we didn't know them obviously a lot of us know mm-hmm. arts colleagues around the city even if they're not in our neighborhood so to speak um, but that when having that corporate push and sort of um, excitement about us working together is the kind of positive feedback I think everyone needs to, you know, stay on the straight and narrow mm-hmm. in that respect and mm-hmm. really think about how each of us can do what we can do to help our colleagues as mm-hmm. well as ob- we, we work for our own organizations and we have sure. to do our best for that too. But it's not mutually exclusive. So I think that that's different. Um, I don't know how it was before I got here, but I know a lot of new people have come into these jobs in the past few years and maybe just a lot of new energy and breaking Mm -hmm. away from old patterns could Mm -hmm. be part of it, Uh, but it's exciting. It's very exciting. And you're attracting a lot of new talent, it sounds like. Yes. Dallas is because you're working together. Do you think that's part Uh, of the equation? I'm sure. When I was looking at the city and I looked at what was happening and all the different kind of festivals and collaborations that I could see, not by interviewing anyone, but just by looking online and reading newspaper articles and listening to KERA. It was pretty amazing to hear it. And I thought, this is a unique place. I feel like we can make huge strides in a place like that. I'm real big on, you know, be the best at what you are. And then, oh, by the way, I'm a female or a male. But people do get really excited that you are the first female, right? Um, do people do you feel like people are circling that a lot? Does that bother you? Do you like it? Do you care? I mean, I, it doesn't bother me, of course. I think that you know the reality is is our business is a paternalistic business historically, and in the last maybe five years, it's gotten better. But we decided to do the women in classical music uh, symposium and initiatives mm-hmm. like hiring a female principal guest conductor and a composer in residence and commissioning 50% of our works by women because it's just a fact that these things are not going to change quickly unless people like me, man or woman, commits to Mm -hmm. change because it's not going to be organic. Mm -hmm. I mean, my theory Mm -hmm. is that there are all these women – in orchestras there are all these women conductors 
but they're not getting the the orchestra is a blind audition, so they're in the orchestra because they want uh-huh. a blind uh-huh. audition. But you don't see them oh, on I the podium. I didn't know it was a blind audition. Did you know that? I don't know that I knew that. I did yeah. not know it was a blind audition. That's that's like the voice. Like you guys did that way before the voice did. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> yes, like decades. No decades points for style. No, no points for style. I had no idea. Okay. Yeah, and I think I, I think actually the BSO was the first organization that did blind auditions, but the Dallas Symphony has been doing it. For decades, literally. Fascinating. Love that. Yeah. yeah. And this city has a lot of DNA in the arts with women. We've had multiple um, chairs of the board of the Dallas Symphony who are women. I mean, so the CEO wasn't, but that's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. Uh, our orchestra here is about 45% women, which yeah. is great and a higher percentage than many other places. If you look at the arts district in general, some of the most generous donors that made sure that it happened, that ATPAC happened, were women. So we have a really fantastic history here in Dallas, which I'm sure people outside of Dallas would never think of, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's Mm -hmm. this stereotype. But in the orchestra business, the reality is that women are just in the last five to ten years really making progress and before that it just wasn't happening and for whatever reason I think it's just a networking mentorship thing you know if you're not in the pipeline you're never in the pipeline Mm -hmm. and no big orchestra is going to hire a woman they don't know as a CEO or a conductor or music director or anything unless someone they trust and has a great reputation, has recommended that person. Mm-hmm. And if you never have a woman in a job who can recommend those people, then you just can't right, get there. Right, Cyclical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To showcase. Yeah. So, and they're always the breakout stories, but it's, that's exactly all it's been it's for a us. Breakout. Yes. Super random, and I know I'm jumping backwards what I was thinking about this. Are you guys tracking and researching these kids, these 400 kids that you are giving instruments to and teaching? You're saying it's good for science and math and these things. Are you also going to be kind of following that piece of it to see if it does affect educational pieces? I mean, research in general shows that, but are you guys following that locally? Um, Yes, we're just starting that process. I mean, in the ideal world, you'd start at the minute you started the program, but I was really... uh, adamant that we had Get to start going. this yeah, program start. Mm-hmm. Start. because if you want to have everything be perfect before you start a program then it could delay it for years yeah. mm-hmm. and I just felt like we know from others that this is a fact so let's get these kids going and now we're trying to figure out how we're going to document their progress however long a, time, a period mm-hmm. of time they That's are in awesome. this program so are their grades better mm-hmm. is their behavior better are they Enrollment missing college, fewer school, fewer mm-hmm. days in school, et cetera, et cetera, and ultimately college? Do they? What kind of a field do they go in? Because it's interesting if you think about the medical th- field. Um, huge percentage of doctors play instruments or played instruments seriously, huh. and so you can see that there is a connection in the yeah. brain on this whole thing. And I, I mean, a part of it is. If you know, if you have confidence, if you're capable, if your grades are good, you can be anything, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that piece you can't forget either. So we're going to document it as well as we can. 
and obviously the families have to participate to some degree mm-hmm. and the school principals have to participate mm-hmm. but the anecdotal evidence so far has been excellent about the cohort of kids involved in this program awesome let's fast um, factor well, ready okay so she already knows sure. her because she's the ceo of one of the most distinguished parts of our community what is your one pop culture indulgence i love it Hmm. Oh, this could be so good. I cannot wait. <clears throat> I uh, would say my pop culture <laughs> indulgence is on my um, my running track is all 80s, sort of like Depeche Mode. Nice. All this Just kind of me. like Pat Benatar, <laughs> Heartbreaker, you know, <laughs> Queen, you know, we are Queen. the champions, Queen. you know. Yeah, this is what I'm listening to every time I run. And once in a while, I throw in something new, but I never get sick of it. I love it. Okay, Okay, if you could go back and swap out the instrument that you played um, growing up, which one would you choose? Well, actually, it's funny that you ask that because I am just starting to take cello lessons. You are. So there you go. I had I a got flute. a cello vibe from you. You did? I did. Yeah, it's got the cello vibe. I That's got the so cello norm. vibe because I feel like I was just hearing how my children just started playing the violin, but I was hearing how the cello is actually even harder. Oh, that's not good to hear. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. Um, I'm just starting my first lessons this week. I, I had postponed oh them. I was supposed to start Who two weeks ago. Is your teach? Well, interestingly, I have the asked... first chair. Yeah. <laughs> blind no. auditions. You can dictate blind auditions for your teacher. <laughs> no, I actually asked the man who's the artistic director of our our um, our program, our young musicians program in Southern Dallas. He's the one who is in the El Sistema program in Venezuela and has been teaching kids how to learn instruments from scratch since for for 40 years. So I figured he really can deal with me because I will be I'll be a struggle at first. I'm quite certain of it. (laughs) I feel like you're going to practice, though. I I think you might have a little street cred and a little pressure to do it well. Well, at least I know the music that I'm supposed to figure out how to play. What it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. (laughs) Meantime, Helen's violin sounds very exposed. Oh, man, it's so painful. Um, I was going to ask, can you maybe highlight for us like a really famous conductor that's doing great things right now? Someone that's kind of a current member of the of your community doesn't have to be someone in Dallas, just anyone that you think just you've mentioned Venezuela a couple times that I think I know you might say. But um, I don't know. Can you tell our listeners who they should pay attention to right now? Well, on the Venezuelan theme, of course, um, Dudamel, who's in L.A., is kind of um, committed to this type of program in LA. Um, they have about 1,500 kids right mm-hmm. now, and they're building a facility, actually, so they can get up to 3,000. Um, but of course, I have to talk about our new music director, oh, yes. who uh, is amazing. We feel so fortunate that we chose him, but he chose us. Mm-hmm. He's uh, one of the most renowned conductors in the world, uh, spends a lot more time in Europe than in the U.S. prior to this. Uh, he was the principal conductor of the Metropolitan Opera in New York for, I think it was six seasons. Uh, wow. He is a unique person in many respects, obviously a musical genius as any of the top uh, conductors are. But he is a very thoughtful person who really thinks about the fact that in this world we live in, so many people will not have exposure to Mm -hmm. music 
or know what we're talking about when we're talking about these different symphonies. Mm -hmm. They won't, it won't be in their mind. They won't get it. And he feels like it's our job to introduce our music to all of those people. He thinks that's more important than our current audience because it's our duty. It's what we owe you know the planet and so that's cool. this i know we're, we, we were supposed to go fast but i just took us to <laughs> but we slow. got excited yeah um what is his name his name is fabio luisi wonderful and what is your working relationship like with him like do you find that you interact with him as often as some of the other leaders within your organization like are you arm in arm oh yes we we work together closely uh obviously he works very closely with our artistic vp on the actual program planning mm-hmm. which um they are kind of the music nerds that sort through the 10,000 pieces of what we're going to do. But he has very specific ideas in mind. He wants to showcase American music, which is fantastic for a European conductor. He also mm. is very interested in visual arts and dance and other art forms as part of our musical presentations. He, is, uh, he makes perfume. He actually what? sells perfume. That is really yes. weird. not what I thought it. you were going to say. He's a Renaissance rock. man. Yeah. Clearly. He's, he's very, uh, you know, self-sufficient and not what you think of when you see, you know, Mozart in the jungle and petulant conductors being upset. <laughs> he's he's so even keeled, so pleasant, so wonderful, so authentic and sincere. And he actually just as a, a story to illustrate this on a yeah. small level, um, we took all the pictures down in the office that used to be Yop's office, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, we haven't put anything up. We didn't know what to do, but we'll we'll fix it next time you're here. And he said, oh, no, no, I had all these boxes shipped with my art. I just need some nails and a hammer. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, we could have someone do that for you he said no no I I like to do it myself so this is you know the what I would call sort of the old world maestro who is totally in today's world right so he he has all the characteristics of those people that we think of that we stereotype Mm -hmm. as a music director but yet he plays golf. He likes to hang his own pictures. He's into the visual arts. He makes perfume. You know, he's he's really fascinating. Okay, last thing. So complete the sentence. The Dallas Symphony is... One of the greatest orchestras in the United States. Don't miss it. That's Slated. late. 